Welcome to the Daily Doug Podcast. This is your host, Daily Doug. This is episode number three, and this week's schedule is going to be a little bit different. We are going to just do a golf pod that's going to come out here. Uh, It's going to be just golf, and then later on in the week, Thursday, I will have my football stuff, my DFS stuff for football, and we're going to have a little bit of fun with that. We're going to be doing some prop bets and things of that nature. Uh, with the football that'll be out on Thursday. But this one right now is just going to be strictly golf, strictly the waste management, Phoenix Open. It's one of the biggest events. It's one of the new uh, highlighted or elevated events this this year that the PGA Bigger Purse trying to get more of the top golfers into these fields, and it's working. Uh, top 23 of 24 eligible people that are so live players, not eligible to play, but top 23 of the 24 are playing and we're going to see players tested. It's kind of has a, um, it's going, we're going to get a feel of where these players are at this week. It's a great test leading up to the players. And then ultimately the masters will have a good, we'll have a good idea where all these players stand after this week. And we're just going to get right to it here. Course info this, they're going to play this course at 7,261 yards. And it got remodeled in 2014. And since then, this course has been very important on tee to green aspect. There are so many holes where you are coming in from 200. There's a ton of holes where you're coming in from 125. And then you have like that 170 range that you're coming into. So it really is a true test of your game. You have to be stouter on the greens and ball striking is key. So when I looked at my stats this week, I am trying to determine you know, which stat should I emphasize? And I'm going to emphasize the Tita Green stat this week. And it's just because you have to have it all. You have to be a well-rounded player to win this. And people like Hideki Matsuyama have been great here. Ricky Fowler has been great here. There's certain people that do have course history. And then there's some people that are just hot right now that have terrible course history, like a Tony Fina. So, We'll see how that goes and how that plays out. I'll talk about that here in a little bit, but let's just get more on with this course. Uh, There's three different top 15 stats of this course on the year. And the strokes gained off the tee, uh, it's 15th. This course is 15th. So only 14 courses are more relevant to your stats here or like how you finish. So strokes gain off the team is 15th. Uh, strokes gain on approach is ranked 11th. Strokes gain uh, around the green is ranked 15th. And strokes gain in driving distance is 15th. So these are stats where there aren't many courses that are harder than this or these stats are relevant to how you finish. So these these are the stats I was looking at. Once again, there's a variety of things, uh, approach around the green, driving distance, all these are very important here. So T to green, that's what I'm looking at for my stats. Strokes gain, T to green. Putting isn't as important, but if someone gets hot with the putter, it's always a great thing. And I'm just going to look, look at this with, there's going to be the best players in the world here. And to get a true test of who these guys are, it's, it's just a great event. It's an electric event. We have stadium course, uh, whole 16, big stadium around it, electric atmosphere. 
And we'll talk to one of my buddies here in a little bit, Brad, who has been going down to the course since he was 16 years old. He's been going to this event and took a break after COVID going, but he's also played this course and he's got great insight on what to expect if you were to go to this. And some he's got some good stories that we have a good chuckle over. And then we have uh, just how this course lays out. And it was very interesting to hear him say that uh, the difference between the two nines, the front nine and the back nine of this course. What I like about this tournament is that atmosphere. It is unlike any other. And it's got very like Ryder Cup hole one vibes where people are chanting and all this other stuff all the time. Uh, general mission in that stadium, you go in there and you just, you see people getting wrecked. You have people that are if someone gets a whole one, they litter that thing with beer cans, the whole green, all this stuff just gets littered with beer cans. And it's just a great party. Super Bowl is in town. So that's going to add to the excitement. There's going to be an extra buzz with that being in town, extra celebrities. I'm sure will be at these events this year because of this. I know Pat McAfee and the guys are hitting shots on 16 as we speak. Um, it's going to be an electric event. I love it. I can't wait to watch it. I'm definitely going to be streaming it. And I can't wait to see uh, who comes out victorious at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. All right, let's take a little bit of a break here. And then on the other side, we will be back uh, with Brad. And you'll be able to listen to that conversation and how awesome it was. So be back after the break. All right, welcome back to the Daily Doug. It's time now to talk about the Waste Man- Management Phoenix Open at TPC Scottsdale. I am joined now by a buddy of mine who I grew up playing golf with, and he went on to play golf uh, in college. But this guy is a 2012 River Island Club champion and O'Connell Falls Invite champion, and just a really good dude and knows a lot about golf. He's also attended uh, TPC Scottsdale and or the waste management open and played there. So we're going to get in like we did last week, a little more information about the course, um, some inside scoop and what to expect uh, if you're actually going to it. And, you know, it seems like a party, but uh, we'll see how, what Brad says here. So Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Doug. That's quite the flattering intro there. I like that. Uh, oh, yes. But like they always say, you know, banners fly forever. So something yeah. to, to hang my hat on. Uh, is, is all the uh, D3 golfers that have come out of O'Connell Falls, I am one of them. Not a great one, not a good one, uh, <laughs> but one of them. Uh, where did you go to Where did you go to college, Brad? Uh, I did my undergrad at UT Dallas uh, here, in, here in Dallas and uh, just finished up my MBA. So I'm, I'm officially done with school. We're closing that door on life uh, so I can get back to playing more golf. TPC Scottsdale, you were, you've played there. Um, I guess they're playing the course at 7,200 yards. Let's take us through the course and um, the course aspect of things before we get into the actual waste management itself. What do you think of the course? I guess, what are some of the nuances? Do you have to be accurate driving the ball? I mean, I know the answer to some of these questions, but what, what was your opinion of the course? Yeah, I think, I think the, you have to take the tournament and the course and they're entirely different subjects. It's just the, the tail of two nines in the front. Um, 
and when you when you asked me if I'd played here and if I'd come on and talk about it, I, I literally had to bring up a map of the course to remember the front nine. It is so forgettable. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's it's uh, there's no water. Uh, there's barely any trees. The holes are sometimes separated by like 10 feet of like hard pan sand. Um, I mean, the only action you the only good action on the front is like, uh, I want to say hole four. It's this par three and the green backs up to the Marriott pool. So uh, you can maybe see some nice swimsuits or something going on there, but <laughs> you turn back around after four and, it, and it's one of those courses uh, where you can just kind of blast it everywhere. Um, it's some John Daly golf, especially even in the rough and the sand and stuff, there's not a lot of trees or anything. So even if you hit that stuff, it's going to fly through it, like almost like a, a cart path. Um, so, I mean, they, they do, they, they grow this course out. They firm up the greens. The bunkers are a little diabolical. Um, but you make the turn, uh, and, and 10 is fine. Little dog like right. And then you pull up to 11T and that's where you see like just this massive lake in the middle of the desert. Um, so 11 kind of goes around the lake. This is cool par four, um, water down the whole left side. 12 is a par three, kind of right along the top of that lake. You're kind of hitting over the water. Um, and then 13, 13 and 14 are kind of the same hole back and forth. And that's kind of where things start to get fun and, in my opinion, watchable on TV. Everything else mm -hmm. is kind of just boring traditional golf. Um, 15 is this cool, like, uh, par five that you may see in, like, a golden tee game where you've got, like, you're going back around the lake and your first shot, you kind of go around the lake. And then the second shot is maybe – we played the combo tee, so from, like, 69 or, or 7,000 um but i think i had like 200 in uh to an island green winds blowing uh and <laughs> i i came over the top of a four iron and hooked it so far left it was back up on 11 fairway um so we took a free drop at distance and on my side because it's really tough to get back around to 11 <laughs> i just played it from there <laughs> um and then kind of so the reason I was down there to play last year was um, the Packers, the Packers were playing the Cardinals in Phoenix. So we went down for the game and played Troon and Weekapa and, and, and TPC Scots. And if, if, have you been to, have you been to Arizona? Nope. Never been. So Arizona, all time best sunsets in, in my opinion, in the U S. Um, so we ended up playing, we, I think we got the first twilight rate, obviously. You got to save that money, yeah. uh, especially playing here. It's so expensive. It, it was, I mean, it was the off season, like maybe late October and it was still like 250. I think, I think now like in the winter, it's over 500 to play. Really? Uh, it, it's insane. And that sucks because the first nine or 10 holes are just muni golf. Um, but so as we're coming to 16, we're like, shit, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to finish. It's getting a little dark. The sun's setting, but, but people back up on 16 cause they're taking pictures. And even at this time um, in October, they had, they'd started setting up the stands. So you have to drive through 
you take the cart like through the stands, like underneath mm-hmm. through the tunnel that the players walk out of. And uh, there was no bathroom to be found. So I think we all peed like right behind the tee box in front of the stands <laughs> waiting because there was like four groups. And uh, I mean, just the most beautiful. I'll send you the video after this. Just the most beautiful hole. The sun's setting um, and just electric. We'll get to 16 atmosphere during a tournament later. But um, so 16 is an awesome hole. Not too long. Uh, and then 17, I think, is super cool. Um, it's like almost a drivable, depending how long you are, uh, a drivable par four where the back of the green kind of uh, is encapsulated yeah, that's by the water. Where, that's where Ricky Fowler took a shit, uh, and he dropped his ball, and then he went up to address it, and it moved again. He got screwed over by the rules <laughs> of golf. When was that? Uh, that had to be, oh, great. What year? I don't know years. But I know that's what happened. Um, I think they changed the rule after that with the whole drop. Uh, that's when yeah, you get to still... put it back. Yeah. yeah, I think he, I think he got to place it because it was cut so fine back there. He got to place it. He walked up to it and it rolled back in. So he got holes. Yeah. Now you get to you get to replace it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Call it the Ricky Fowler rule. Heard it here first. Um, <laughs> and then uh so so we're on 17 and, and we're like shoot all we need to do is get an 18 t-ball um and then it can kind of get dark because once you get up there you just hit it towards the green and, and it's over um and i do remember birdieing 18 it's a cool hole man i mean you can kind of just rip a drive up the right side uh it's a little long a little up the hill uh but it's a memorable walk especially with the sun coming down um and I, it's tough because i don't remember how many birdies we had but i remember we had some birdies we we got paired up there's three of us we got paired up with uh shout out mike this random guy mike guy was uh had one arm he's like 45 built like uh hulk hogan did a ton of steroids i'm sure uh and he was down there to uh, visit his daughter at asu um, and he was so excited. He couldn't stop talking about how he was taking his daughter and all of her college friends out for bottle service that night. I mean, just the douchiest guy you've ever met in your life, but he bought birdie shots after every birdie for the whole group. Really? And I remember we had, uh, we had a few of those, so there were some birdies to go around. It's doable. I think when the grass is a little shorter, um, there's a lot of birdies out there. Yeah. Ricky won in 19. Yeah, so he ended up holding on, so I guess he didn't collapse, but he made it fucking interesting by taking driver and smoking it over the green. That's what he did on that <laughs> hole. So Yeah, and you probably don't even need it, especially for those guys. I mean, it's probably like a three-footer hybrid. Hopping in here with a little bit of a correction before we get back to the conversation with Brad. Ricky Fowler did shit the bed in 2016. He Hole 17 got to him drove it over the green. He had to take a bunch of drops, the rules and all this other stuff played into effect. But I just wanted to correct that. He did shit the bed in 2016. He did bounce back in 19 with the win over Hideki. He held on. He actually um, laid up this time, put it right in front, chipped on and held on. So uh, good to see that he got his revenge, but I just want to hop in and correct that. Now back to Brad. But this course is a T to green course. It's a full T to green course, and it's one of the harder ones on tour. It ranks uh, in the top 15 of four of the five major stats in strokes gained category. So as far as strokes gained off the T, it's ranked 15th. So there's only 14 courses, you know, 
obviously better or harder, more difficult than this one. It always surprises me how low the scores are. Like it feels like a tournament that, that it would just be like a, a corn fairy uh, Q school tournament where everybody's like 40 under. Right. But I was looking at the scores for the last like five years and none of them get under 20 under. And it's, it's because of the defenses that they build for it. I think it's just the rough. I mean, this course doesn't have any natural defenses. Like it's not a difficult course T to green. You said what? 7,200. Yep. 72. That's 61. not long for those guys. No, I well, it's Torrey Pines long, South Course. That's what they played well, that at, but that's, that's a little different. And look at the look at the uh, rough at Torrey Pines too. Right. They, well, they played that. I wonder what it is. I'll have to get the info. They played uh, the rough at Torrey Pines at three and a half uh, inches, but they had um. That's crazy. And but they had like five and a half inches of rain that week, so it was just thick and wet in there. So the guys were having a lot of trouble getting uh, ball contact. And it made a difference in some of those scores. I mean, those guys got to that self course. They... All right, Brad, I know you were at the, you played it. And I know you were also at the stadium course during an, the waste management event. And I'm sure that's quite the experience, I guess. Explain what that atmosphere is like. You see it on TV as electric drunk, very corporate though, a little <laughs> bit, um, up on top of 16, you have your corporate stuff and it's, it almost got a little too corporate, but then, I mean, once people started getting hold of ones last year, there were beer cans everywhere and there's two of them. So there's just crap everywhere. So I guess what's that experience like, I, I guess, bring us through that experience. I'm sure it's very like happy Gilmore ask where, <laughs> you know, kind of thing, but, um, I guess, yeah, just take us through that event. So, I've been going to the event a long time. Um, my my family lives out there. Uh, so I started going to visit them. That was like my uh, Christmas present every year was to go visit them. Uh, and I always chose waste management weekend. So uh, 2008 was my first one. Um, so I got to experience it as, I don't know, 15, 16 year old. Uh, and I went to every single one until... Uh, 2020 I went to 2020 like a week before the whole country shut down uh, um, but the 16 vibes it, it's insane you've never you've never walked into a tournament and, and you walk in at 8 9 a.m and I mean there are people blackout drunk everywhere and I don't know if you can see it on the on the uh, tv but around the greens it's really steep and hilly like not not like mountains or anything, but like there's moguls around every green and the real steep grass is real thick, real slippery. So I mean it's you walk in at eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, and there is girls falling everywhere, girls crying, mascara running. <laughs> I mean, it is a complete shit show. <laughs> I uh I've got some friends uh, that have uh, their parents live there and uh, they always do a waste management weekend and, and I'd always go visit them and a bunch of girls they'd always say come over at you know 6 30 6 30 a.m the party bus leaves at 8 a.m and it's just like golly man so I get my grandparents to drop me off at 6 30 a.m and there's like 25 like the most basic girls you've ever seen with 
a table full of jello shots and cases of mimosas as far as the eye can see and you're like oh god this is gonna be a day man if you don't get there at like 6 30 in the morning you're probably not gonna make that first section or that first wave of people that get into the stadium so they start getting in line and it's like uh the running of the bulls like when the gates open in the morning everybody just takes off sprinting towards 16 and they're running around 18 both ways around the lake. I mean, they're trying to get the first ones there because it's general admission. Like all the, all the people you see on TV, general admission, there's some boxes. Um, but once it's full, it's full and it's one in one out and nobody's leaving, but to, to, to pee, you have to go out if you're general admission. Um, and I don't know if they still change There's beer guys that walk around, but like, to go get a drink or something, you have to leave and you lose your spot. And I mean, that line gets long. I mean, nine, nine o'clock, nine 30, the line is already hundreds of people deep and they're selling lemonade and they're selling booze to the people in line. That's how, I mean, and they'll stand there hours before they get in. Uh, it's insane. Is there any other places, I mean, besides 16 that you would go watch and maybe not, you're not going to get that atmosphere of the stadium hole, I'm sure. But if you're on the top of the stadium, you can look, peek over and watch 17, if I'm not mistaken, the tee off on 17 or the whole hole from up there. Right. So what I like to do if I'm not, and typically I don't try to get into 16, um, there's there's some uh, suites right around, right between 10 and 17. And they're not like ticketed suites. They're like, uh, just walk up, there's bars, there's food, some porta potties. And it's just a big area, TV screen, so you can watch whatever's going on. Uh, but you can see 10 green and 17 T and kind of that that T shot from 10 coming towards you. So that would kind of be where I would sit um, if I'm not going to go to 16. Uh, you can venture kind of into the back of the course, but that's mostly front nine unless you go you walk all the way around the lake. And that's just kind of a long walk for no reason. Um the whole crowd is up there. And that's the whole reason you go to the waste management is just to get with that crowd. This, this event has always been a bucket list of mine. I always talk about going down there. So I do have to get down there. It's a little more difficult with kids. It's nowhere I can bring my kids, but um, (laughs) (laughs) by by the sounds of it, it it seems like a really good time. And I I'll have to get down there. I'll have to get uh, call you and we'll have to go do this thing together because it's going, it's going to be a blast. Maybe get Monty to come along with us and see what happens. <laughs> he, he'd be the first one down. People yeah. drawn on his face. He'd be crying next <laughs> to the girl on the hill. No. <laughs> this is going to be an event. I love this event. I love watching this event. So good. And, um, what do you got stories like, to watch? What are your stories to watch? Well, I like watching some of the like the amateurs tee off, like that pro-am stuff. I like to watch some of that. You get highlights of that stuff. Um, but basically, I like the drama, how that drama builds you get off a 16 where it's just electrifying. And then that T shot that you can drive the fact that you can drive the green on 17. If you're down, I mean, it just makes it's such an interesting hole, give or take hole where you can lay up and play the safe, you know, little pitch shot in, or you can go for it and try to make a two. And it's just, I love, the, I love how that builds up. And Hideki Matsuyama has been so good at this tournament since even 2000, the one you're talking about, uh, I think that was 2015 we were talking about brooks kepka won but hideki took second in that event and then in 16 hideki won in 17 hideki won 
this week, is he going to be the winner? I'm not sure. There's so many good guys right now. And this, this field has 23 of the eligible top 24 that can play. So wow. um, it's, it's a major Does that count field. guys. No, well, yeah. eligible players. So they're oh, okay, obviously right. not eligible. I think the purse was jacked on this to get more players and they got them. I mean, they have them. Rory is uh, one of the 1.5 last year. That's pretty yeah. big purse. Yeah. The field, I mean, Rory and Rom, those guys are obviously going to be favored. Rom finished fifth year that same year that Kupka won in 15 as an amateur. He finished fifth year. I mean, that's, that's my, uh, that's my story that that'll be, that'll be the story of the week. Cause he went to school at ASU. So yeah, he he's, grew up playing this course. Yeah. He's, he's going to have, uh, he's going to have a fun time if he doesn't get too involved with the extracurriculars. Uh, we got a lot of good information. Thanks a lot for having us or for letting me interview you and having you on. So, uh, we'll have to do this again. This is fun. And Many more of these are going to happen. So we'll get together. Maybe we'll just talk straight up sports like we did earlier and uh, go from there, man. <laughs> yeah, next time I'm in uh, in the falls, I'll, we'll do it in person. All right. Sounds good, Brad. Take I had care, a, buddy. I, hold on. Yep. Bef- before we go, I wanted this on the record. I had a dream the other night. Uh, the Eagles are going to win 26-21. Just want to get that in the record. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. All right. Well, let me all right, buddy. Goes. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later. later. Bye. DFS. This week, I am stressing strokes gained on tee to green. The top, the best players right now are Rory McIlroy, Fino, Homa, Rom, and Tom Kim. Those guys are really good tee to green, and they are playing well currently. Like I said, twenty-three of the top twenty-four eligible people i have to say eligible because of those live guys eligible players are playing in this event it's a big event and in the 11k range we have one person that is john rom and then we right underneath him we have rory and he is 10.8 so 200 dollars separates these two guys and if i'm picking between these two i'm going to pick rory i'll give you a little bit on that in a second but john rom let's start with john rom He's been insane, and he's been playing so well lately. He's been a little bit inconsistent with his putter. He has lost strokes gained uh, in two consecutive events with his putter, and that isn't going to bode well in this tournament. It's, I guess, not going to bode well. I mean, he can obviously make that up. He's He can get hot with that putter and win anything, and he's winning despite a lot of these things. But in his last two events, he's lost. Uh, strokes gained with his putter. He's also lost strokes gained at, with his approach at the Tournament of Champions, but he's won two of his last three. And how can you fault somebody for picking somebody that's on a winning tear like he is? And I guess if you're comparing him to Rory, Rory, his last six starts, the worst he's done in terms of strokes gained is 10 strokes to the field. He's finished. So this is his strokes gained to the field, 14, 12, 14, 13, 14, and 10. That is remarkable. Plus, he has three victories in his last eight start and nothing worse than a T8. He's the best driver of the golf ball I've ever seen. Uh, he's, he's phenomenal driving the golf ball. It's only going to help him. A distance off the tee is 
uh, you know, this course, like I said in my stats, it's ranked T15 for off the T distance as far as relevancy to how you place in this tournament. And Rory's the best at that. I give Rory the nod here between these two. I'm not going to fault you for picking either of them, but I'm definitely giving Rory the nod out of these two top tier guys. Uh, sticking in the 10K range, we have Scotty Scheffler. He's the defending champ. One of his four events that he's going to be defending this year. You Obviously, great course history. He's number two in uh, Tita Green in his last 50 rounds. If you were to cycle the data through 50 rounds, Scotty Scheffler, Tita Green, strokes gained, he's number two. So I do like that. And since I'm emphasizing Tita Green, Scotty Scheffler is another great pick this week. But I have my eye on Xander Shoffley this week. He's 10.1. Actually, he's a flat 10. And five starts at TPC Scottsdale. T17 is his worst. He has back-to-back T3 and T2, and he's cheaper than those other guys. You are saving 900 bucks from Rom, and you're saving 700 bucks from Rory if you want to get into that. So I really like Xander Shoffley this week. And I just think that he's playing so well as of late that you can't really – I can't shy away from him at that price. Recent history is great. He has that withdrawal at the century, but – if you're looking at his last six or seven here, you have T13, T3, then his withdrawal, and a fourth, a T9, a fourth, a T3, and then you go you know, all the way to July. He has last year, he has two victories in a row. The guy's been playing well. Uh, the only thing that kind of, he had some downfall where he had minus strokes gained against the field where it's at the century when he withdrew. So he, everything else he's been positive to the field uh, in great margins. I really do like uh, Xander Shoffley this week. Now let's start here with the 9K range. I'm going to start with somebody that I'm fading. I'm fading Justin Thomas this week. He's just not, he just hasn't been good enough. He's Like I said last week, he's tour average in approach. In terms of strokes gained, he's two or average. He isn't playing well at all. Um, he's lost strokes putting in five of his last eight events. He's lost strokes driving in his last two events. And his course history is good. Last year, T8, T13, and then T3 the previous two years before that. So he does have good course history, which I guess if you take him, but I'm just I'm, there's too much risk right now. He's just not playing well enough at 9,800 bucks to take and put in your lineup. I'm going to save 100 bucks and go Kyle Morikawa if I'm putting any of these guys in my lineup. I like Morikawa. I even like him over Shoffley, and you're saving another 400 bucks on him. Last two events, a uh, third and a second, and he's, his ball striking has been key. Uh, he's been on a tear with his ball striking. He's gained 10.33 strokes at the Farmers, and he gained another 9.83 strokes uh, in his, from Tita Green in the tournament before that. He's only played here once. Uh, he lost five strokes putting the only time he's played here, and he finished T25. So if he just putts to zero, he finishes 14 under, and... He has a T3. So Colin just didn't have his putter that week. Everything else looks great across the board as far as stats go. I like Colin Morikawa this week. 
he's going to be in my lineup, even over Shoffley in this, in most instances. Patrick Cantley is another guy that you can look at at 9,500. He finished runner-up last year. It's the only, uh, only time he's played here he finished runner-up. You got to like that. He's a fantasy point machine, makes a lot of birdies. He's a sneaky option for those that want to just get a little bit different. He's uh, he's right there. I'm fading Matthew Fitzpatrick. And if I want to get a little bit different, Sanjay M, he, he's getting back to his ball striking ways. He was plus seven strokes on approach at the Farmers. He has a decent history, T17, T34, T7. So Sanjay M, he is playing well as of late. And you really can't go, that's his tournament history. He's finished fourth at the Farmers, T18 at the American Express. He got caught. He sucked at the Sony, T13, T8, and the two before that. So Sanjay is a good, he's at a good price point this week. If you want to enter him, he's definitely in my player pool. I'll have him in a few lineups. And we'll go over my lineup a little bit later when we do my build. You go Tom Kim. I absolutely love Tom Kim this week. He is sneaky, sneaky good. This guy, he's making his debut here, so he has no previous tournament history, but he had a T6 at the Farmers, and he's one of those guys that if, if he doesn't make a cut or is, or is struggling, he comes back strong. He has very good ability to put that in the past and play well. And I'm looking at some of this, his recent history, not at this course, obviously, because he doesn't have it, but he was T6 at the American. Then he missed the cut at the Sony. T5, T10, T4, T11, T25. He won the Shriners uh, last October. This guy is gaining strokes to the field and everything throughout the whole, except he's gained strokes against the field in every event except for the Sony where he got cut because he lost three strokes to the field putting. I mean, the guy's playing amazing. I like Tom Kim, 9,100. He's absolutely a good price. Deki Matsuyama at 9,400. He's playing okay, but he always, if you think waste management, you think of waste management, Phoenix Open, that is, you think of Hideki. He's won here twice, at T8 last year, T42 and 21, and then 20. 2014 to 27, he has two wins and four top fives. That is great tournament history. You can't ignore that. And he's 35 to one odds. So why not take him? Onto the 8K range, Cam Young, third at the Hero, second last week on the Asian Tour. He's a chalky 8K guy if you want to get into a guy um, for 8K in that 8K range. He's getting back on track. He's playing well. Sam Burns, another guy in the AK range that I have an eye on. He hasn't been playing that great, but he's getting he's gaining steam. His last event, he played well, um, and I'm banking on his upside. He wins too many times throughout the course of the year. Two, you can pretty much pencil him in for two wins. And to be at the odds he's at, he's at 40 to 1 odds right now. He's just too good of a player to have that. Terrell Hatton's a safe option. He's... Doesn't have like a ton of upside, but he's a very safe option if you want somebody to make the cut. He hasn't been playing a ton, but I, I, I'll I ignore that and think he's going to make a cut. Going down to the 7K range, this is where you're going to have to look at a bunch of guys and 
see how you want to build this lineup. Keegan Bradley, he had a great farmers, another stout performance. Uh, he gained seven strokes putting, and he gained seven strokes tee to green at the farmers. This guy has been on a tear. He's matured a lot. I just remember those Ryder Cup days where he gave every putt the stink eye and like got all you know fired up, and he was all emotional. I mean, he's learned to calm his little twitches and nerves. He doesn't spin the putter 900 times before he putts. I, I really like Keegan Bradley. He's figuring his stuff out, and he's coming along. I expect him to be in contention this week. And he's a great price this week at 7,700. And then you have Lucas Herbert, my little hidden gem at 7,200. 2023 has been a great year for him so far. Third on the Asian Tour uh, event last week. He gained 13 strokes against the field there. Uh, third at the Hero, gained 11 strokes against the field there. And then T10 at the European Australian Open event, uh, he gained eight strokes there. He's a great putter. He's a great driver of the golf ball, and he's 7,200. That is going to pay off. This guy has been playing too well, and he's driving the ball so well. He's driving distance. He's almost at two strokes game. His putting is unbelievable. He's one of the best putters on tour, and his round the green stuff is great. So if you had to knock him on anything, it's driving accuracy. His driving distance is good. His accuracy isn't great, but... I just can't, I'm not going to ignore him at that price tag this year. His recent history is too good, and I just can't ignore him. Uh, he did finish T59 at the Zozo Championship back in October, but that was a long time ago. I'm ignoring that. So, yeah, there's my hidden gem, Lucas Herbert. Plug him in. And at 6K, if you really want to reach, you can go Hayden Buckley. He's the best driver of the ball in the 6K range, out of the 6K range, guys. And he's one of the better tee to green players in the 6K range. So if you're going to pick one in that range, pick uh, Hidden Buckley. That would be the guy. So that wraps things up for my DraftKings uh, lineup, or actually my player pool. And I'm going to go now into DraftKings and build a lineup with you. I have a lineup pretty much set here, and this is what it is. I'm going to read it out loud. You guys can tail along. Follow me at R-I-G-C underscore Pinseeker on Twitter. Retweet me. Tweet at me. Get involved here. I want to know how you guys are doing. If you are making some bets on whether it's DraftKings and or going to the casino in Green Bay or wherever the heck you have can make your bets, uh, let me know how you're doing. I want to know if I'm providing you with great information and you guys are winning. I want to see that stuff. That would excite me. If you're losing, well, I guess you can send me those, just no hate mail. <laughs> you got to be responsible, right? It's not my fucking problem. But here we go. My DFS for this week, I have Kawa Morikawa at 9,700. Siwoo Kim, I'm going with at 7,800. Lucas Herbert at 7,200. Tommy Fleetwood at 8,100. Patrick Cantley at 9,500. And Keegan Bradley at 7,700. So a good mix of guys in there. Uh, I had to stay in that 7K range with going with Cantley and Morikawa. 9,700 for Morikawa is a lot, but I think he is going to win this week. That would be my pick to win. Colin Morikawa, pencil him in this week. I believe he's going to be the winner. And you guys can mix and match, especially with that player pool I gave. I just want to highlight a few guys. Good luck. Make sure you put this stuff in the tournaments and stuff that you want. 
don't get sidetracked like I did last week and do two double ups and not put into any tournaments. I am a fan of cash games and double ups, but there's no reason why not to put in a tournament and a lineup together and see where it goes. Uh, last week, I got to do a quick recap because this is killing me. Last week, I had a fantastic lineup. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, he supported that Q tag. With it. He came out with that neck injury on Wednesday. So I switched some stuff up. I posted it on Twitter. You got the late my late entries on there if you wanted to follow along. And I hope you did because I finished first in my double ups. And I missed out on a lot of potential money. <laughs> scratching my head at the moment. But here was my team last week. Only one guy was over 20% owned, and that was Russell Knox. And he did, he was my worst. He did he was four under at T and he finished T41. And then things got good. Uh, Malnati, I had he finished T4 at 1400. He was less than 1% owned. Kipiyama, he was 12% owned. T29. I had Mitchell in there. He was T4, 8% owned. Denny McCarthy, he was 6% owned. He was a T4. And Seamus Power was 11% owned. And he was a T15. Seamus Power had a bad round three, and it cost him a top 10 finish. But this this lineup scored 535 points, and it was first in both my double-ups. And I didn't even have the winner. So would I have won a major tournament? Probably not. But would I have finished in the top? 10 or even top 20 in a lot of these things probably so i missed out on some good cash this week but it is what it is i am back at it so hopefully my lineup that i just said spits out to you guys this week and you guys can all like i said screen capture tweet at me and i will shout you out in the next podcast if you do it so good luck this week with your DraftKings lineups Oh, yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. What's the what's the game? Your seven iron, Roy. One swing each. Whoever hits it the longest. It's a lot. I hit the seven iron like John Day hits the three. <laughs> winner, winner, took it down. We'll take my beer, Kurt. All right, last but not least, let's get into some betting for this tournament. My favorite guy that I want to bet this week is Kyle Morikawa. He's 16 to 1 odds. I like him to win. I'll put one unit on that. I love Tony Finau this week. Just I like his odds. You can find him as much as like 25 to 1 odds. And he's too good of a player to have that kind of odds. So I like the Tony Finau bet. One unit on him. I'll take it at 20 to 1. And then Hideki Matsuyama. I love that course history. Uh, I like him to win at 35 to 1. I also like his top 10 at 3.2 to 1. And then I'm, my long shot this week is going to be Tommy Fleetwood at 80 to 1. He's too good of a player to be 80 to 1 in this tournament. So he's great tee to green. I like Tommy Fleetwood, 80 to 1 odds. That'd be great if that paid out. And then I have two matchups that I like. I like Tommy Fleetwood versus Emiliano Grillo. Uh, one unit on Fleetwood to win that matchup head-to-head. You're given a little bit of juice, minus 135, but I like Fleetwood there, and I like Patrick Cantlay. Once again, you're giving away some juice at minus 130 to beat Fitzpatrick. I like Cantlay to beat Fitzpatrick, so one unit on each of those individual matchups. So those are my bets. Hopefully those hit. 
you guys can cash along with me. Remember to bet responsibly. Call the hotlines if you have an issue. Um, this is entertainment, and hopefully you guys can follow along and win some money. I like to line the pockets, right? So as we go on, if you, I just remember this week we have my football podcast um, that is coming out on Thursday, and hope you guys just enjoyed that conversation that I had with Brad earlier. It was great stuff. Uh, there's a lot more to that conversation. I'll be playing in that episode, in the football episode. We talked everything for an hour, and it was just too long to put all of it in this golf, uh, this golf podcast. So hopefully you all enjoyed this podcast, a little shorter version of it. And if I have to keep doing that with golf, I will. Um, it might be good to separate this, but with football being out, it's probably going to be easier to keep things uh, at a reasonable time limit so you guys can enjoy this on your commute. So if you're going to the Waste Management Open, have a drink for me, throw a beer can at somebody, have a good time, enjoy that atmosphere, and have a good week, everybody. Hope you all win some bets, and that's pretty much it. That's a wrap. See you.